Hello and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, a podcast that explores compelling themes and some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Chris. I'm Brittany. On this episode, we'll be discussing Pride in Harry Potter. So to start us off, we have a quote. This quote is from Book 6, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Chapter 5, An Excess of Phlegm, where Hermione is uh, talking to Harry and Ron about Percy and uh, his relations with Ron's family now that it's been shown that Voldemort is, in fact, uh, back. Dumbledore says people find it far easier to forgive others for being wrong than being right. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense as, you know, why uh, why Percy isn't back with his family. You know, it, it is a matter of pride for him where he mm-hmm. had been so staunchly against the family in so many ways and, and honestly in really hurtful and insulting ways. Absolutely. Um, and so for him to be wrong about that, it's it's very difficult. I, I wonder how those conversations have actually happened between him and his parents because... We don't get to see the dialogue. Right. We get to see a little bit in, in Christmas, mm-hmm. but we mostly just see awkwardness and then kind of it blowing up. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think it'd be very interesting to see it, and especially to see it from Percy's perspective of, you know, whether he believes, like, I was right to believe what I thought, you know, all the evidence pointed this way, or, or whatever it might be, or whether it is, you know, whether he's convinced himself that he was right, or whether he's so ashamed of being wrong, and there's such a, mm-hmm. a hurt to his, his pride that he, he couldn't fess up to it, so I don't know. Well, and that's the interesting thing about the quote, is saying... That it's easier to forgive people for being wrong because essentially you still, you have the high ground. Mm -hmm. So it's something that you can kind of bestow on someone, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, hopefully that's not the way that you're doing it, but you can do it that way. Whereas, you know, coming to the table and being like, I was wrong, you were right that that's a lot harder on somebody's pride. Absolutely. Usually. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, Percy. <laughs> well, that's a good primer for our discussion today on Pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm up first with a character. Great. Who do you have for me? I have Voldemort. What? I know. He has pride? He, uh, he has pride issues? A bit of pride. Yeah, a really? little bit. And it in I thought he was some so ways humble. affects him in some negative ways. Uh, no, Nephili not a humble person. Nephili? Nephili not. <laughs> Nephili dot. Um... <laughs> No, Voldemort, I think, is definitely a character who has an excess of pride, where he is so proud in himself and in and his own skill and ability and knowledge in ways that he not only uses that, that, that I think that that really comes down to how he's self-defeating, where mm-hmm. the things that lead to his downfall really are things that he created out of his own pride so the horcruxes are an example of that like mm-hmm. you know hurting his soul so much cracking it so much and you know seven parts made it so that it was so fragile mm-hmm. that he was able to be defeated that way and that was him saying you know not i'm not only going to create one horcrux i'm going to be the greatest sorcerer ever so i'm going to create seven of them mm-hmm. um Likewise, his wanting to destroy Harry because he would be a a rival in or a possibly a rival or whatever it might be, you know, like wait him, what? Uh, like 
him wanting to kill Harry as a child because of this prophecy of him as a revi- as a rival, as something oh, that would destroy God. him or, or, or fight I against him. I kept hearing you say a rival. Not like, his arrival. I know. He is like, a what? rival. <laughs> Got it. Yes, they have a rivalry. Thanks for the pause. Yes, thank you. <laughs> a rival, like Ash and Gary, like that is basically the same relationship as Harry and Voldemort's. It's essentially the same thing. Uh, yeah. Same um, things are at stake. Absolutely. <laughs> Pokemon champion, survival of the Wizarding World. Not just the Wizarding World, but the whole world. That's true. <laughs> but Pokemon champion. Yeah. 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 So. Poor uh, enslaved Pokemon. Exactly. <laughs> oh, no, we can't even dive into that. <laughs> Uh, that'll be a geeky property that maybe we'll add someday (laughs) or do a one shot or something but yes um so i think that that voldemort's pride i think is is an interesting one because he's so proud and he's so confident in his own knowledge and ability that he doesn't even keep an eye on the horcruxes you know Mm he he... well and with with the the locket Mm -hmm. right He's just like, oh, whatever, this is set up this way. And he never even thought to safeguard against house elves. Exactly. Or, like, other types of magical creatures um, and their abilities because he just, you know, was so confident in mm-hmm. in his way of doing something. And that no one would figure it out or no one would be able to hunt them down. And so, and I think that that shows in the huge anger he has in the Deathly Hallows when he finds out Mm-hmm. That is happening, and he starts going to the different locations. I think that that yeah. is something that he is—he's uh, so focused on, and and I you even see it with the Elder Wand, where he, you know, he—it's all about him owning it and him like using it in that way, mm-hmm. and it is so focused on himself, and that's why he has no one who really is his ally. He has servants, but even those servants, when their interests are more important to them, like it is with. Uh, Narcissus Malfoy, mm-hmm. you know, they are going to betray him because they are not an actual ally to him. Mm-hmm. He... Besides Barty Crouch Jr. and probably Bellatrix. Like, That's true, but they even they're, they are just devoted there, servants still. Yeah, of course. You know? Um, well, I mean, then that's what he wants. Exactly, that's yeah. what he wants. But I think that, that it shows that when that's all you have, when the the best ally you have is a servant, it's going mm-hmm. to make it so that you are less less likely to succeed or at least that's that's one of the ways that i perceive the, the messages of the book and i i like that so. yeah and i think it's kind of interesting too that they say oftentimes that dumbledore is the only wizard that voldemort fears and obviously he should fear other people whatever mm-hmm. but the fact that he never sought out dumbledore for some type of showdown I think shows that he is prideful and he's scared that maybe he wouldn't be good enough Mm -hmm. and he would lose and that would just be the worst. So he would rather just leave Dumbledore out there as such a powerful wizard that will constantly be fighting against him and, I mean, at the end of the day, figured out the stuff with the Horcruxes and led to his downfall. He would rather just leave him out there to maybe thwart him than actually try to face it head Mm -hmm. on. Or have someone else do it, you know, have Draco Malfoy do it or attempt to do it, you know, have Snape do it. So, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, so that's why I chose him as my character. Oh, prideful baby. Yeah. Not you, Voldemort. I mean, me a little. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, do you have a plot for me? I do have a plot for you. 
So I want to talk about pure blood and family pride. Mm. So obviously, if we ever get to like race in Harry Potter or class in Harry Potter, we can definitely dive into this a bit more. Mm -hmm. But it's just really, obviously there's like this severe racism or classism embedded in it. But outside of that, just looking at it as something that people have like family pride in mm-hmm. um, is something that kind of puzzles me when I get down to it. Because you see like Draco and um, Lucius and you see like these different people in the ministry like have pride in being from these great long-standing wizarding families and look down on other families for not being that Mm. right to the point where you know they want to actually do genocide against people who who aren't and to me it's just such a weird thing that yeah like draco has so much pride in this and like in in hogwarts he'll he'll boast about it and he'll like put people down by using slurs against them And what did he do? You know? It's just like family pride is really weird to me because the person didn't do an action that made them gain something or earn something, right? It's like you're proud of something that someone in the past did Mm -hmm. and you're saying, ah, because I'm related by blood, that means there's something special about me. And that's just weird. I I agree. I think that, that for sure there's an element that's like, I'm related by blood, so this is something that is part of me, right? I am better genetically than than others. But that's, like, preposterous. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but, I mean, so is racism and all well, those other things that, that people have had for forever. Um, but I think that the other element of it, which I think is kind of interesting, um, when you look at them, especially in regards to how they look at the Weasleys, mm-hmm. is um, culture. Is the yes. way that that family... What, what, what values that family has. Mm-hmm. And so the Malfoys, they look down on the Weasleys because they think that they don't have good values. And that makes them lesser. Well, like, and... not their blood, but actually their the way that they look at muggles and the way that we they act as a family mm-hmm. and the values that they have are wrong and lesser. And because Draco was raised in a family that has these values that he thinks are right, which are mm-hmm. obviously not, um, <laughs> that makes them better. And so I think that there is still an element that isn't just entirely about blood too well and they judge the weasleys for not having pride in them Mm -hmm. being pure blood true and and so that's interesting too it's like are they judging them because they have this you know quote superior status unquote but they don't care about it and so in not caring about it and not thinking it's important to the people who have pride in it does it undermine the value like mm-hmm. their perceived value of it yeah and so then are they you know hostile and bitter because when some people are like this doesn't matter this doesn't have any validity but you have so much pride in it and you've built up so much of your identity based on that pride and then it just kind of undoes everything no i think that makes absolute sense and i think that especially as they're being threatened you know as mm-hmm. the the modern face of wizardry is making it so that almost every family isn't pure blood you mm-hmm. know so that that makes it so that they are under attack in some mm-hmm. ways or at least they perceive themselves that way um it's it's like white supremacy here in the united states you know mm-hmm. it 
comes it's emboldened because it feels like it's it has to be defensive of itself of its status and mm-hmm. i definitely see that as part of of why they're so hostile towards people like the weasleys because they're seen as traitors mm-hmm. um, they are they are not using their privilege to maintain the privilege mm-hmm. um which means that they are then part of the enemy yeah and it's interesting to me too because you have someone like voldemort who he isn't a pure blood mm-hmm. but he still creates this p- kind of pride around it and creates his whole mission around doing something that doesn't even apply i mean like that would apply to him right like eradicating all of these others who aren't pure blood and like that's him right and so it's just interesting how that sense of pride around like their family comes out because the Malfoys supposedly really value this yet they're following somebody who doesn't fall into that category Mm -hmm. you know so it's like it's completely contradictory but I mean he's saying he's saying to them the right things right right? he's saying to them that they're more important than others that Mm -hmm. they're special that they should be more talented that all of these things and maybe it's just that they like to hear it yeah yeah I think so yeah so that was my plot point. Very good. So should we move on to compelling questions? That sounds good to me. Um, so get, what's yours? Uh, so my question is, in regards to Harry constantly having his, you know, as Hermione mentions, like his saving people thing, you know, mm-hmm. his, him going out of the way and him having to do the, the job, you know, do mm-hmm. the adventure, go through the traps, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, Do you see that as him having pride in himself and his ability to get them done or his uh whether it be his ability or his um drive or belief in what needs to be done Mm -hmm. or do you see it as a lack of faith in others Hmm. to get that done um or neither neither of the above hmm that's interesting because yeah you would think in several of these circumstances well why don't you just go to dumbledore and have faith that Dumbledore, the, you know, supposedly the greatest wizard maybe of all time, mm-hmm. that he might have it under control. And and he doesn't do that, right? And I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. He, I mean, Harry definitely has some pride issues that come up mm-hmm. throughout the book. So it could be that. But also it would be kind of interesting to think of it in terms of his own background. Like in his home with the Dursleys. If he needed something done, he pretty much had to do it himself. Mm. He couldn't rely on them for anything. And if he was going to tell them about something, then that probably would mean that something, you know, they would do something actively to stop him or to make it worse or whatnot. So, I don't know, maybe it comes from kind of an instinct in that way of like, this is just the way that things are done and this is what I have to do. Or it could be this overly, like, sacrificial chivalry where I'll do this because I'm willing to do it Mm -hmm. and I don't want anyone else to get hurt. I'll put myself in harm's way. And I feel like that comes with a bit of pride, too, you know? It it can. It doesn't have to, but it very much can. Um, So, yeah, I think that it's, it's an interesting kind of dynamic because, you know... 
I think they do a good job of of putting Dumbledore out of the way sometimes, where it's like mm-hmm. he can't go to Dumbledore. Yeah, but for like, sure. why doesn't he have faith in McGonagall? You know, and mm-hmm. why doesn't he have faith in like, or when he does have faith, he'll have faith in Lockhart. Like, <laughs> he'll go to Lockhart to help them out. But once Lockhart's obviously not going to, they don't go to any yeah. other teacher, you know? Well, I mean, interestingly, in the first book, they did go to McGonagall. Right. Right? And maybe it was from that, they're like, oh, well, this isn't going to work. That's they obviously true. can't go to Snape. And, yeah, they just, they probably could go to Flitwick or mm-hmm. or Sprout, but they never did. Yeah. And they can't really go to Hagrid because he's not super responsible either i mean they have gone to hagrid in in some things but Mm. yeah so hmm, it's interesting but that's the thing that where i think is really cool at the very end of the book um i think the decisions that harry make aren't based on pride Mm. i think maybe some of the rest of it throughout is but at this point he willingly gave himself over to um to death for mm-hmm. for it and I, I don't think he did so in like a prideful way at all yeah so. I, th- I think that harry's lowest point is his proudest point which is book five where it's all about <laughs> why am i not included uh you know i know best i know you know i'm not going to go to these lessons even though dumbledore wants me to you know mm-hmm. all these kinds of things that are all focused on himself and what he deserves or what he thinks he deserves without or any going o- oh sorry yeah just without any consideration that maybe there are reasons good reasons why mm-hmm. uh or you know. going to snape and apologizing to him mm-hmm. for being completely disrespectful and looking at his memories like that is a complete invasion um and like a violation of someone Mm -hmm. and and of course he 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 was never gonna apologize to snape and is snape an abusive teacher yes yes for sure but still like he should have done that and Mm. and he also you know he he didn't trust um in this in the same ways uh dumbledore's um dumbledore's discretion mm-hmm. and um discernment in in regard to snape and and what was necessary so yeah, yeah. oh harry harold <laughs> uh, so my compelling question is how do you think book six and seven would have been different had slughorn not been so prideful hmm do you mean based on his pride in withholding the information on the Horcruxes? Exactly. Because that's the only reason he would have done that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Dumbledore was opposite, right? He's the one who went and found Tom Riddle mm-hmm. in this orphanage. And he completely would own up to that. Like, mm-hmm. He had a role in all of these terrible things that would happen um, in the future, but there's no reason that he wouldn't tell that to Harry or that he wouldn't save his memories and everything. Whereas Slughorn was so prideful that he actually altered the memory because he didn't want anyone to know that he had done that. Mm. And he was, I mean, he was ashamed of it. Yeah. Right. And, and he told Harry directly, like, you know, don't think badly of me for this. Mm-hmm. Um, you have no idea what he was like when he was there. So yeah. What do you think? I think that six, like needed that as a narrative device because for me one of the reasons i love six six is probably my favorite book is because it's like 
the last book that's like the home front before the war, you know, mm-hmm. or the home front of the war before Harry has to grow up and become a part of it, become a soldier, you know. Yeah. Um, but he still needs something propelling him forward, something that is going to make it so that he's not like in book five where he feels like he's not engaging at all, like something to help him um, have a purpose in the war. You know, do you think Harry, you could ever define Harry as a soldier, though? <laughs> he I mean, never listens to orders except n- his own. Not a good one for sure, but uh, a, a warrior at least, um, <laughs> yeah. I'll say. And so, but I think that that him um, having that purpose, but the purpose was just to was a was a um, social one, really. It was getting to mm-hmm. know Slughorn and getting this thing from Slughorn. Um, I think is is really fitting for that book's narrative and that book's place there where mm-hmm. it's Harry being able to have a social life in some ways that he hadn't been able to in the past where mm-hmm. he was no longer ostracized but he was of age where you know it starts going into people having relationships and people mm-hmm. having other things and and uh I think that that's very interesting so I think that without that in book six it would be very different because mm-hmm. I think that Harry would be more like he was in book five where he wants to do something. He wants, you know, he doesn't want to be placated to or or, or set aside during this fight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he doesn't have Dumbledore's army. He's not, you know, rebelling against Umbridge like he was in book five. Like, he, I think he this gives him something that kind of focuses him in that way. Um, for book seven, I don't, I don't know if, if I see him coming up with the information about the Horcruxes in a different way mm-hmm. than through uh, having to take it from Slughorn in that way would have a large effect. Why, why do you ask for book seven specifically? Well, so interesting because I was thinking of it in the way of actually what happens rather than as a literary critique mm. of what the book is doing and why it's adding this to the narrative. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking of would Slughorn even have come to Hogwarts to teach? Mm. Um because he brought Harry over there just to be like, hey, don't you want to collect Harry? Um, and to convince him to be a professor so that he could get this information. Right. Do I think he should have been a professor there? Yeah, I think he did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, why not? Uh, he's really good at that. And, I mean, in the end, in the last battle, he did fight on on their, on their uh, side. So that's great. But, so if they had had that information way earlier, like you know books earlier potentially mm-hmm. from slughorn maybe they could have found these horcruxes sooner maybe dumbledore wouldn't have died that day mm-hmm. and maybe snape wouldn't have died maybe hermione wouldn't have gotten tortured right all of these different things that happened because of how long finding these horcruxes took and maybe if they had started way earlier things would have turned out differently that's a good point and and having dumbledore there to actually journey with them or or, or try to get these horcruxes mm-hmm. on his own in ways that um that might have been more effective yeah that'd be interesting yeah yeah well what about a, a missed opportunity what missed opportunity do you have well you go first because i was just talking my missed opportunity is in book three, mm-hmm. uh, Hagrid describes Buckbeak and Hippogriffs as proud creatures. And mm-hmm. the reason why Malfoy gets hurt is because he insults Buckbeak. Mm-hmm. And Hippogriffs are so proud that they're unable to to take that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. right? If they mm-hmm. if you insult them, they will attack you, right? Yeah. Violently. Um, and so my missed opportunity is I think that there could have been more thematically done there yeah. to... 
put that alongside some of the prideful villains that mm-hmm. the series has. So, mm-hmm. like, we t- I talked about Voldemort, you know, but I think that there's a lot of pride in a lot of characters that we see, but we don't see that in most of the characters in a negative way in book three. You know, mm-hmm. that's not really a theme of that book, but mm-hmm. I think that if we use Buckbeak as an example of when pride can be dangerous, you know, when you <laughs> lash out because your pride is being attacked. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that parallels really well with Harry in book five, for example. And I would love to see yeah. something more done with that. Um, because as it stands, I think Buckbeak just sits as an animal and an animal that in some ways has higher level, like magical abilities to reason or, or whatever it might be. He has the ability to bow and to ex- be mm-hmm. proud and to understand mm-hmm. an insult, but then not enough uh, you know, quote unquote humanity mm-hmm. to be able to control itself after it's been insulted, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's just a very interesting place for it to be. Yeah, that's, that is very interesting because Buckbeak is very much situated in a sympathetic stance, mm-hmm. right? Oh my goodness, they're going to execute him because of this thing that happened mm-hmm. um and malfoy seen as this villain who's getting buckbeak to be killed um and when i'm not saying that some of those things aren't true mm-hmm. right but is buckbeak ever kind of critiqued for lashing out in that way yeah did malfoy do a completely unwise thing and was he rude and disrespectful yes Mm -hmm. 100% but should then you lash out and physically harm someone of course not and granted yes it is a creature it's not a human so it could be judged differently but it's not it's never really looked into or critiqued in that way and it's not it's not a creature in the same way that like People usually know that if you start pulling a cat's tail, it's going to swipe at you, you know, like. Not my cat. That's true. Most cats. <laughs> but that's even not, some cats won't even do that, you know. Oh, but for sure. But if you did that and cat swiped at you and cut you, like, you'd probably be like, yeah, I had I that coming. I did something wrong, you know? yeah. Mm-hmm. But because Buckbeak's, the insult to Buckbeak is at a higher level. It's not mm-hmm. just a physical bothering or messing with that cat. It is something that is communication, you know. It's, it's words. Mm-hmm. Then should Buckbeak be held to a higher standard, mm-hmm. you know, of if you are able to understand pride, then you should be able to know how to uh, non-violently engage with people. Yeah. I mean, and the interesting thing is we see this in society, right? Oh, totally. Where it's like, oh, and I'm just going to use men as an example because they're very easy to use as an example. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you said something to me? Well, now let's fight. And it's like, what are you what are you doing, you know? And it's like, you insulted my pride. Let's go out and punch each other until what? One of us can't get up anymore? <laughs> so yeah. it's just No, I totally agree. Ridiculous. I, I mean, I, I certainly had that when I was younger, but by the time I was in high school, like, I remember I said something to some guy that he didn't like, and he came I don't even know remember his name. I did not know this person. He came up to me <laughs> and was like, well, you, you want to go? You want to fight? And I was like, no, who are you? <laughs> and then, like, and then I still, like, he went away. I started laughing at it with my friends. Then his friend came up and was like, what, what's your problem? You want to go? I was like, no, <laughs> why would I want to fight you? I have no idea who you are. Like, I have no investment in this. I have nothing to prove. 
Um, <laughs> so, cause yeah, it's, it's why, I mean, for me, it also comes down to probably like, I know I would lose that fight. So like <laughs> maybe if it was otherwise, it'd be, I'd be more likely, but still. Uh, let's, let's hope that that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but I certainly, there certainly was a part of me, or a large part of me is just like, there's no reason to do this, you know, yeah. like there, there's. Because what? If you win the fight, then that proves what the person said wasn't true. Exactly. They're, they're going to come like, to me after and be like, you were right. Thank you for, for showing me that with your fists in my face. I like, know. That's not what's going to happen. <laughs> come on, grow up, Buckbeak. <laughs> Stop being adolescent, boy. <laughs> so now can you give me your missed opportunity? Of course. So my missed opportunity is looking at house pride ah. the fact that like obviously we've talked about before on our on our last harry potter episode about slytherin house and missed opportunities there mm-hmm. uh, so we obviously see a lot of animosity between gryffindor and slytherin or slytherin in any house and whatnot um but it's never really shown that like having these houses and having house pride can really be a divisive thing Mm -hmm. instead of fostering open community um students instead of supporting each other because they're all here and they're all learning these things and they're people uh they then battle against each other they're trying to one-up each other they try to get each other in in trouble and it's only when we have the tri-wizard tournament Mm -hmm. do you actually see i mean then it's a little more uh problematic because there's two from right from uh hogwarts but you saw slytherins on board with um uh, cedric or see cedric oh my goodness what words are hard (laughs) um cedric degree and so yeah i think it's i just wish that that had been in there Mm -hmm. showing i mean you can obviously see it but being a little more over or seeing how that had a role to play in in how some of these students turned out and how how they interacted and how maybe they would have had like a lot of students would have had a very different experience and a better experience had there not been a division of houses and then pride centered around that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. I, I don't think we see any relationships that develop within uh, Hogwarts um, that are that like are maintained into adulthood, especially that are not between houses like all the married couples that we see who went to hogwarts together went to the same houses Mm -hmm. um and so i mean unless something happens with luna right 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 yeah (laughs) luna Um, and neville or luna and anyone (laughs) i think according to pottermore luna ends up um marrying newt scamander's great grandson or something Hmm. or grandson but i could just see her ending up single yeah right uh, so, but yeah, but I think that that's, that's an interesting take on that because, I mean, I guess there's Percy and, and Penelope Clearwater, which is, mm-hmm. is nice. But other than that, there's, there's not really much. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's a little, uh, a little unfortunate because as they, as they leave Hogwarts are the only relationships they're going to have be going to be based off of those houses, you know? Are you I mean, gonna... I think a lot of the time, yes, yeah. that's true. I mean, I think that was the coolest thing about Luna Lovegood. Uh, well, one of the cool things is that 
Yeah, she didn't care what house you were from. And and I would like to think that their friendship maintained mm-hmm. um, way, way into the future. And it's, if they were, you know, real people would still be alive today. Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I think it is really divisive. And should we divide people up based on their skill sets? <laughs> or do people, would people grow better? and be better people like yeah if you stick a bunch of just really ambitious and cunning people together how is that going to work out super well if you stick just people who are like brave and chivalrous together like we should be learning from each other from each other's skills and personalities um yeah in a way that makes the the wizarding community better so yeah absolutely well, I'm, I'm going to go off of that for my, my lesson learned, my takeaway from this, because mm-hmm. I think that the idea of learning from people is something that, that doesn't come from pride, you know? Mm-hmm. Pride is about thinking that you understand and you know, and in the, the stories, we definitely see that be be the case with people like Harry and Voldemort and, mm-hmm. and Dumbledore and, and others, you know? Um, and I think that that pride can get in the way of of progress and of learning and of things like that where we see the houses for certain but also look back you know back to our conversation about the malfoys and the pureblood families you Mm -hmm. know by them maintaining their only the relationships that they have they're not going to be learning new things about other people and starting Mm -hmm. to break down those problematic traditions in the same way that if you put all the people together in one house who are going to have one perspective you know, mm-hmm. they're just going to look down on those who don't have that perspective. And they have a community now of people who are just going to support their, that, that hostility. Mm-hmm. And, and so yeah. that can be, yeah, really, really, really unfortunate. And so I really, to go back to kind of what we were talking about last week, I really wish that there was more inter-house, um, like, work done. It's one of the things I actually kind of really dig about the Hogwarts mystery game that we're playing Mm -hmm. on the iPad is that you have friends in every house. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really cool because it shouldn't be that you're going through Hogwarts and you're only staying with this one kind of house. And Harry basically gets Luna and then like a couple, like a date with Cho Chang and that's it, you know, (laughs) for like real close relationships with people outside of Gryffindor. And, and that's unfortunate. Definitely. Yeah. So my takeaway is is kind of based on that and, and also based on, um, obviously, our earlier conversation, is that the, the idea that pride is based in separation. Hmm. Because what is it? It's a way to separate yourself from others, whether it's back to our quote, I'm right, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the one with the power. I'm the one who doesn't have the power, you know. And so I think it's it's not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. Um, because that could be our tagline for the episode. Pride's bad. <laughs> Hashtag it's bad. <laughs> um, because yeah, it's it separates houses. It separates students. It separates people within 
the whole wizarding community, um, even though the wizarding community in and of itself is a minority group, mm. right? And there's all of this separation. And it's just so incredibly fragile because we see that with Buckbeak, we see that with Voldemort, mm-hmm. and and what happens when their pride is offended. Um, and it's easy to offend that pride, right? Because it's either... It's showing that maybe you're not that different. Maybe you're not that special. Mm. It doesn't mean that people aren't special or people aren't unique, but that you don't have something over somebody else. Um, Because if you're prideful in how smart you are, yeah, let's just go over to Ravenclaw house. And it's like, oh, well, I guess a bunch of us are like this. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you're not going to have pride the same way anymore. So... Yeah, that's my takeaway. I like it. Yeah. Well, how about you get us what we're going to be going on over next time? Okay, so next week we are going to be talking about Lord of the Rings, and we're going to look through the theme of love. Love in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. That's going to be adorable. I know. Yay, I got character. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, love in Lord of the Rings. Let's do it. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Between the Lines, either on Instagram, Facebook, or on Twitter. Uh, Twitter? Twitter. Twitter. You can also go to our website, bit.ly slash geekbetweenthelines, or go to our Patreon site at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines. Ask us a question. Yeah, yeah. Tell us, oh, hey, what about this? I listened to your episode, but you totally forgot this super obvious thing on Pride. Exactly. Um, and we'd also love to see that, especially if it's a more positive note, uh, <laughs> via a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you find your podcast. It, it really helps us get new listeners, and, and that's what we'd love to have. Uh, we'd love to build a, a larger community. We also want to thank Kimberly Taylor-Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. With that, we're going to see you next week when we'll talk about love in Lord of the Rings. Thanks very much. Take yeah. you out.